it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me as always from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jetsy. Tim, I understand. I think you and I are in the same boat there. I guess we just didn't sleep well over the last couple of nights. Yeah, because uh, you had a power nap right before the podcast. Uh, I passed out on the couch for three hours. Yeah, I think we, I th- have we reached that part of our lives, Tim, where we're just like, we need a nap. I hope not. I don't know. I mean, what, what part of our lives would that entail, though? Are we talking old man slippers and sweatpants? As long as it's not dad sneakers, I will not be subjected to that. So are you, are you saying, Tim, that we're not going to see you in some New Balance or Nike Airs out in the yard doing yard work? Nope. That's shitty to hear, man. But I'll tell you what's not shitty, Tim, is going to be our second round recap slash third round predictions for today's episode of the Third Line Plug Sense Cast, the NHL Playoffs Edition. And you can tell that I'm kind of out of it because I completely forgot it was the, no, I didn't forget, but I just didn't mention it was the NHL Playoffs and Third Line Plug. So there's that. And you know what? We are going to have a great episode this evening, though, Tim, because again, we are going to talk about the second round, which... I believe the second is officially just coming to an end here pretty soon. I think we're in the third, third period of Carolina Rangers and the Rangers are up three, nothing. And both teams have kind of looked like ass and anti Ranta is now hurt. Yeah. So obviously when we get to that, we can talk about that series, but given that the last time we talked to him, we were kind of under a time crunch. There was a few things I did want to mention last week. We didn't get a chance to, so I figured to bring it up here right now because I feel the best thing about doing today's episode is we need to do a little bit of housekeeping. Now, one of the big things that we need to do, we need to well, first of all thank everybody for listening to our fifth season of the Third Point Sensecast. It really was a terrific season. I mean, what can I say? I mean, I know that I put out a Twitter thread a couple of weeks ago about it, but still, I think that it needs to be said here again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I really like the new co-host idea. I think that worked out really well. Me too. And you know what? This is something that I think we kind of brainstormed a little bit and we're like, okay, well, let's see how we could do. We kind of had a list of a few people we wanted to do. And then we just went from there and be like, oh, this would be a good co-host. Hey, this would be a cool idea. And leads into this leads into us thanking our guest co-host for season five in chronological order. Trevor Shackles and actually I want to give Trevor a really big shout out because I don't know if you happen to see the tweet from this past week Tim but one of the original sense podcasts has come to an end in Cosmo Podcast. yeah it's a little sad but they had a really good run and we're all better off for it 100% I mean and I know we've said this to Trevor in the past like without Cosmo Podcast and of course the sense call-ups like there wouldn't be a third line plug as it is and it's just kind of sad that one of the sends original podcasts because when we started it was just shackles ourselves and sense call-ups that's pretty much who it was it was just kind of the three of us yeah yeah there really was just kind of a blow up of podcasting in the last five years i know and it's been great to know it's been great to see that the growth of the podcast network and everything that's been going on in that world and continuing on so yes Trevor Shackles, we got to thank. Joseph St. Amour, James Woods, Mike Gould, Alicia Scudelaire, Scott Cowan, Alex Medsker, and Kelly Gibbs-Barton. They were all amazing. They, they yeah. were all great co-hosts. We all enjoyed having them on. I'm a little sad that uh, when you're... So 
off camera on the Kelly episode, uh, Kelly and I just started talking about British nonsense after, like, I think you had to use the washroom or take the dogs out or something. Yep. I'm sad we didn't record that because it was very funny. Just like, oh yeah, I remember. Like, we had to explain to you what Ribena and squash was. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of those references probably would have gone over a lot of people's heads, though. It's not just mine. Yeah. Well, just don't think a lot of North Americans know where Lake Windermere is. I didn't know where that was. Now, another part of housekeeping we need to do, Tim, of course, for our, our fifth season, and one thing that we've always been able to do is our yearly charity donation, whether it be for the Ottawa Senators Foundation or when we did it for the Canadian Blood Services in honor of Brian Frazier last year. For season five, we decided to go with the Do It For Darren campaign. And Do It For Darren, for those who don't know, is a youth-driven movement that creates an open dialogue about youth and mental health in Ottawa. And once again, every year how we always do this is that I would always donate one goal for every goal. You donated $1 for every assist. And the two players that we chose for this year were Tim Stutzla and Thomas Shabbat. Normally, it would have been Brady and Shabbat, but again, Shabbat wasn't signed at the time. So we went with Timmy Stu, and of course, $2 for a win, $5 for a shutout, $10 for a win versus Toronto, which we got shut out completely on. The final total, Tim, $172 for season five. Nice. And then on top of that, I'll be doing points for Paul. 100%. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, another thing that's really cool, Tim, and you know, I... I mentioned this always on the podcast about how it's still really cool, really humbling when anybody on Twitter starts following us, hits us up like, Hey, listen, I started this as a podcast. It's been really cool. That's really cool stuff to finally meet somebody in person who listens to the podcast. That's really humbling. And that's really, really cool. So I want to give a quick shout out to a friend of the show, Scott Crossman. And Scott, for those who don't know, he's a gentleman on Twitter out of Victoria. He's been following us on Twitter for a while now. And one of the big reasons I want to bring him up is because he's he was following us on Twitter for a while. And I thought, okay, that's cool, guys from Victoria. I always like it. When anybody from Vancouver Island starts following us, it's like, <laughs> right on. It's not just me. I like it. And then, of course, I later find out Scott works with my cousin. Oh, nice. And I was like, oh, right on. Like, I didn't know Scott worked with you. Like, oh, that's really cool. So this past Tuesday, we were doing a function for the bank that my cousin works at. And they did like a medieval night. So, you know, they all dressed up in like, as like knights and all kinds of really, really cool stuff. And ran to my cousin. He says, hey, man, this is so cool. I want to introduce you to somebody. This is the, what he says, the second other sense fan on the Vancouver Island. And I met Scott. Nice. Yeah. And as soon as Scott saw me, he's like, Hey man, I listened to your podcast. Like, man, I really enjoy it. Good. That's you know, good stuff. I was like, Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Like, that's really cool to hear that. And like I said, it's one thing to hear it on Twitter, but when you meet somebody who listens to the podcast in person and they tell you they enjoy what we do, it's awesome. Right. Yeah. And it's just such a nice reminder that, yeah, people enjoy what we do. I know. It also makes me wonder, I'm like, wow, people actually listen to what we say? <laughs> but what was, you know, you're, you might remember this. What was the, do you remember the one thing we said on the show? I think it was about 
I think Ben Bishop was playing for Dallas and they pulled him with like 10 minutes left to go. And I said, the podcast, that's really stupid. Why would they want to pull him with like 10 minutes left to go? And somebody on Twitter mentioned that to us. And we're like, Oh, (laughs) oops. I know. And they actually sent us a reason as to why that would make sense. And I'm like, huh. I, I, I like the risky plays. It's interesting. It's interesting. And I like it, Tim. I like it. Now, of course, when we were supposed to do our housekeeping for the last episode, I had a few hockey related notes I wanted to make. The big story that broke in the last couple of days regarding the Ottawa Senators, the retirement of Jason Spezza. The seeing the reaction on Twitter really goes to show the fan base. It really depends on how you want to look at Jason Spezza with the fan base. It's a, it's never unanimous with Alf, like with Alfredson, where yeah. it's unanimously everybody loves Alfie. Unanimously everyone loves Carlson. Spez, he's kind of in this weird thing where like the fans really loved him, but there's still fans who are like, yeah, he's good. But they were never fans. Yeah. And it's always kind of weird because like the guy was a dynamo when he was in the sorry, when he was with the Ottawa Senators. And I guess, I guess some fans are still taking the Jacques Lemaire side of things, but I don't know. Spets was always one of my favorites in Ottawa and uh, he's had a fantastic career. And I think he will be a very good GM someday. He will. And of course, right as he announced his retirement, the lease came out and said that he has been promoted to a front office job. And yeah, Jason Spets, I mean, I could see him in a GM role, but I think it's still really, really sad that the Sens fans never really got closure with Spez. And I know before he signed with Toronto, I think it was last season, the Sens fans were really pushing for Ottawa to re-sign him and bring him back to Ottawa. And I think that was really, the fans knew, okay, it's time that we mend this bridge. Because I think yeah. Spezza really, I look at it this way. Jason Spezza is kind of like, hear me out he's kind of like Alexei Yashin. Second overall pick, great talent, fans love him, but it was just weird when he left. And it's different with Yashi because of the holdouts, but there was still yeah. that weirdness with Spezza when he left. Yeah, and I guess it's, you could almost pin Spezza leaving on the fan base, and I think that's what's different. Like with a lot of the holdouts, with Alfredson, with Heatley, there was an obvious different circumstance, but with Spezza, it was like anytime anything Ottawa went wrong, it just ended up immediately in Spezza's lap. And obviously he's not going to, he's not going to take too kindly to that. Right. Yeah. Rightly or wrongly. Like we put it on Spez. Yeah. But I do love the tweet that the NHL's Twitter account put out. And it was a picture of Heatley, Spez and Alfredson. And the caption is end of an era. Yeah. And that's weird when you see the NHL tweeting out about the Sens because you never see that. You never see him yeah, tweeting no. out about us. But it's like, I think it's coming to the point where you're starting to see kind of the last of the most famous senators retire. And the cash line, at least for two to three years in the NHL, was the force. It was. I mean, honestly, everybody in Ottawa, especially if you look on Twitter, everybody was talking about about the pizza line where it, what was it? Five goals and a win. You get a free pizza. And then it got changed to six. Yeah. 
Now, I don't know if you got a chance. Did you get a chance to read Ian Mendez's yes. article from today? What was your thoughts on this? Because of all people, Ian Mendez is the only person who could just call up Danny Heatley and be like, hey, Spess is retiring. What do you think? Yeah, and it's impressive that he was able to just call up Alfredson too, right? I got just a fantastic inter- fantastic interview out of the two of them, and it was a really good retrospective on Jason Spetz's career. Now, one final thing I want to say about Spezza, and I think this goes back to talking about our COVID episodes. Now, do you remember when we did our episode on players who deserve to be in the Ring of Honor? Yes. And we put Jason Spezza, and we made an argument about, well, Spez is not jersey retirement worthy. He's definitely Ring of Honor worthy. And I think a lot of that still stands. I think it still holds up. I think a lot of stuff that we said in that episode really holds up. You still believe that yashin needs to mend that bridge with the fans i think so and i said i think enough times pass that heatley should be in there spets i think should be in yeah. as a player and i think spets definitely should be there yeah i can appreciate spets as a player i wasn't a fan and i think when jason was our cover athlete i made that mention too but the one thing i did mention i can't remember who it was on uh, twitter somebody was saying what's your favorite i think it was the sense their sense twitter account they were saying What's your favorite Jason Spezza moment? I says low key. One of the best ones is when Matt Sundin returned to Ottawa as a Canuck the same day Barack Obama made his first appearance in Ottawa. So you see all like the, the yeah. police escorts and everything around town and Jason drove by it. And he sort of joked with the media. He goes, yeah, I drove by it. And I didn't even realize Matt's was this popular. <laughs> no, that that's good stuff. And like, yeah, Jason Spetz has always had a fantastic sense of humor and uh, hopefully, yeah, he does end up becoming a general manager or coach or something. And we get to see a lot more Jason Spetz in the future. So yeah, it's not goodbye. It's see you later. Exactly. So to segue out of our housekeeping, Tim, I feel because we haven't really talked in the last couple of weeks and I know that you were recently at a convention. So I got to ask one, how did your convention go? Oh, it was pretty good. Uh, So it was really busy. So uh, Chelsea and I ran three panels and uh, all that while we're doing other work stuff. And uh, she's been preparing for uh, data gathering part of her uh, doctoral thesis. So needless to say, a lot of work. Uh, we didn't really end up sleeping the night before the convention. Chelsea had to finish the costume and I was helping out. Uh, I was also putting finishing touches on our the panels. The first panel we did, we just kind of did an overview of like what sort of shows that people actually watch in japan so we talked about like sazai san chibi marakachan that sort of stuff and that was slotted in 10 30 saturday so like in the first slot registration was a zoo there were just lines wrapped around the building so bad that they actually had to cut off registration after about an hour or two and then there was just a massive line to get into the dealer's hall as well so i think that us managing to get 25 people sitting and watch watching us talk about uh just average Japanese anime, given what we're up, we're up against, most people can't even get in the door. I think we did pretty good. That's pretty good. Now, was this something that you and Chelsea personally put the time and effort into yep. setting up? Okay, I, I did. Well, the panel part. Yeah, and I was going to say because that's one of the things I didn't ask about because I knew you and Chelsea were bringing to, like doing the convention stuff and all that stuff, so I never got a chance to ask. Now, one thing our listeners may not know, Tim, because this is an audio only podcast, not a video podcast. You actually cut your hair for this. Yeah, so uh, two of the other the other two panels we did, uh, I did a joke finance joke meme finance panel called "Don't Buy Doge Coin," but nobody showed up. So uh, 
we didn't do anything. But the other one we did is we did a uh, Mobile Suit Gundam panel called uh, Mobile Suit Mommy Issues, a Freudian analysis of Gundam, where we applied Freudian psychoanalysis in the most kind of over-the-top stupid way possible to Mobile Suit Gundam, Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam, and uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Shars Counterattack. And uh, Chelsea dr- dressed up as Quattro from Zeta Gundam, and I dressed up as Amaro. And uh, instead of uh, getting a wig for Amaro, I just used my own hair because uh, I can get kind of the, my hair is like thick enough. I can get the poof to look right. And it's the right color. Yeah, because it was crazy, man. Because I mean, at one time you had like the Mika Zibanejad thing going. Oh, the full flow. Yeah, it was long. And now you got a cuck and you got like the Eric Carlson circa 2013 <laughs> look going here. All you're yeah. missing is the goatee. That's the only thing you're missing right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't like facial hair, so I don't. Ah, I don't know, honestly. I think you would look odd with it. What if I went full Carlson? Yeah, if you had facial hair. Yeah, I think well, so could, too. Could you imagine though? You went as Eric Carlson for Halloween, just have a jersey and everything. You could do that. Yeah. Be a good picture, Tim. Be a good picture. So I guess on my end, like I don't really have too much to really say. Obviously, I got some new skates. And I went up to I went up to Nanaimo today because I was gonna like ah, I'm finally gonna get out in the skate, get out on the ice and play because I had didn't play last week because it was Victoria Day. Hockey was canceled. Oh, website didn't say anything about it. I didn't know anything about it. I was like, oh, okay. Well, shit. Now what? So what did he end up doing? So basically, what? Because Katrina came with me. So basically, what we just end up doing was. We went over to Source of Sports, my favorite store. I didn't buy anything this time. Very proud of myself. Because usually, and she's going to laugh when she hears it, because every time I go to Kirby's or go to Source of Sports, I end up buying stuff when I'm there. It's one of those sort of stores that I never come, I never leave empty handed. It's like, yeah, fuck. But I think the last time I went to Source of Sports, I bought a new stick because I had a, a Bauer Vapor stick, but it has a P88 curve. It's more of a very straight sort of curve. It's all right. It's great for passing. It sucks for everything else I found. So I went back with the SACIC P92 curve and because that's the curve I've always used. Yep. And so uh, I'm really looking forward to using that. Match. Nice. Great stuff. Great stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. And on, I guess the only other thing I did today was I went to go see my cousins. We went for lunch today in, in Nanaimo and then I got to see my niece. So nice. Good times. Good times. Oh, I learned something surprising. So, you know, at the grocery store, they have kind of like the pints with the Agendas and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Tim Hortons has recently started making their own and their apple fritter one has is way better than it has any business being. Really? Yeah. Just imagine just like a creamy apple fritter. It actually just tastes really fucking good. Hmm. And like, I was like, you know what? This could either be... It's worth a gamble. Why not? I like apple fritters. I like ice cream. Let's see what happens. And I was like, this is way better than it has a business being. I give it to Chelsea. She like bites it, like takes a bite. She gives me a face like there's no, this has no business being this good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Tim Horton's apple fritter ice cream is surprisingly good. And you just buy it at supermarket. Crazy. Is it any specific supermarket or just any? Oh, I just found it Safeway. Nice. I'm not much of an ice cream guy, but I might have to search this out, Tim, because I do. I like apple fritters myself, but you know what I actually really like? And I think it really, it low key hits. I don't know if they do it anymore. You remember that app? Remember the apple pies from McDonald's? Oh yeah. Those things hit. 
You know what used to hit though? And it's funny because I don't really care for it. Blueberry. I think they still have those. Do they still have the blueberry? I think they do. The yeah. Blueberry pies, especially if they're hot too. You get them yeah. hot, they hit, man. Oh yeah. No, the apple pies, the blueberry pies, all that stuff hits. It's crazy. It's one of those things that as an adult, you tend to forget how much stuff hits. Like I was saying to somebody at work, I says, so I think what was the meme that true adulthood is admitting how good the Backstreet Boys are? I <laughs> said to somebody at work, I says, real adulthood is when you realize ABBA is a vibe. Yeah. Or the McDonald's pies slap. Oh my God. I know. It's so cheap, but it's so tasty. Right? Especially if you get the, you need everything. Need, everything needs to be hot at McDonald's though. You need the hot apple yeah. pie, the hot French fries, the fresh burger. I don't know. It's like probably one of the biggest foods I've had is like Chelsea and I went out for like a pretty expensive dinner and there's like, Hey, do you want to get McDonald's at, do you want to get like a McFlurry or blizzard after this? Yeah, sure. Blizzards, man. That's where yeah. it's at. Oh, okay. I totally forgot the McDonald's story. So the, on Saturday, it was just one of these things where I had to get my hair cut before work and whatever. So I went to the Walmart that's in the same parking lot as the first choice where I get my haircut. So I was like, ah, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten yet. So I went to the McDonald's. So yep, I yep. ordered a, a McGriddle egg McMuffin, which is good. I, I, I do like the McGriddles. They're so fatting and sugary, but it's great. And, and hash brown was super hot. But the one thing is I'm not a coffee drinker. So I got an apple juice with it. And the girl behind the counter goes, hey, you want a box? I was like, uh, excuse me? She's like, do you want a box? And I just kind of looked at her. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not really much of a fighter, but I mean, all right. She starts <laughs> laughing. She goes, no, no, no. And she reaches under the counter, grabs a box of apple juice. No, do you want a box? It's so like, weird. Oh, uh, sure. Sorry about that. No, I was like, I mean, look, I didn't realize that McDonald's has changed in their policies to where the customers now get to fight the employees. Do you think you could take a minimum wage employee? probably if i'm being perfectly honest i don't think the, the people working at mcdonald's would put up much for a fight for minimum wage that's true like it's like i have better things to do or i could i could go work at freaking wendy's oh my god wendy's burgers man that's where it's at the french fries are not that great though i find the burgers are always great the fries not so much it's fast food yeah it is true it is true so, Tim, I think we should move away from talking about fast food and finally talk about the second round of the 2002 Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, let's give our overall thoughts on the second round and overall, because, you know, for as much hype as the second round really had, I don't know how you felt. I kind of think it went up with a bit of a whimper. Yeah, so, like, it started out really strong. Like, St. Louis versus Colorado actually opened up to be a promising series. Uh, the Battle of Alberta Game 1 was hype. The Rangers in the Kane series was a bit of a dub, and Game 1 of the Battle of Florida was fantastic. And then everything went to shit. Yeah, it really did. And, and I was just saying that to people. I was like, you know, it's funny because you have so many compelling series. You have, like I said, the Battle of Alberta for the first time in 30 years. You have the back-to-back series between Tampa and Florida. And it was just kind of... There's a perfect sound for this. Eh? Yeah. Just kind of eh? Like, 
let's start with Tampa at Florida. Cause this is a series that I, it was fan- phenomenal last year. Yeah. You know, this year it was, it was bad. Yeah. And you, you can't blame Bobrovsky for this one. No, you can't. So, you know, usually we would start off in the West, but yeah, you're right. Let's start off in the East. The number one seeded Florida Panthers is the number five seat Tampa Bay lightning. As I said, it's the second straight sunshine state showdown. You and I both had Florida. You had him in six. I had him in five. Tampa ended up sweeping. Yeah. So you know how it. Sorry. End... Let, me, let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. It wasn't the Lightning swept the Panthers. It was Andre Vasilevsky swept, swept the Panthers by <laughs> himself. Yeah, because like the Florida Panthers scored three goals that whole series. Three. Well, Vasilevsky had a 0.98 save percentage. So it's not for a lack of effort from Florida. It's just Vasilevsky turned on the turbo. But at the same time, credit to Tampa defense. They managed to get Florida to actually kept Florida to the outside. They They gave up volume, but they didn't give up as much quality as it looked. Yeah. And you know what? Really nothing went Florida's way in this series. I mean, the first two games, the big thing for the Panthers, they couldn't stay out of the box, which resulted in, the, in Tampa Bay scoring three straight goals on the power play. I want to talk about how game two ended. Is there more gut-wrenching way to lose than point nine seconds left to go and the other team takes the lead? I don't think so, man. Because that was... It's like, this is a game. You're like, okay, this series is now about to get good. They're going to go to overtime and it's two offensively talented teams going to play playoff overtime. And then just, and it wasn't even a good goal. It was just a weird ass bounce. Yeah. And you know what? The series ended right there. Cause Florida was just demoralized. Even the, I watched a bit of game three with my dad and even he and I are just like, this is, this is terrible for both teams. Like, both teams were not good in that. Yeah. Game four, I mean, just like, well, it happened. Like, yeah, games two, three, and four were bad. You know, for a team that won 58 games last season, won the President's Trophy, won a playoff series, won everything, where does Florida go from here now? Because, I mean, they are so pushed up against the cap, and they are going to have to make decisions on – well, so we got Coach Giroux. They're losing Giroux. That's a big <laughs> one. He's coming home, baby. But you know what's funny? Talking about Claude Giroux, you know, it seems like everybody on Twitter and everybody's they're looking at Claude Giroux to Ottawa now. Even the flyer bloggers are just like, yeah, he's going to Ottawa. At this point, I think it's a, anything else would be a surprise. Yeah, if he signed like a short bridge deal to play out in Florida... That would be the biggest gut punch right there. Uh-huh. It would be very surprising. Yeah. The only thing I could really see is for for the Senators, anyway, if they lose Giroux, but then they would land, say, a Matt Dumba or Kevin Fiala. Yeah, I could see that. But, like, the tough thing is, is you're right. They're, they still have Bobrovsky at $10 million for four more seasons. They have one more year of Keith Yandel's bear, dead cap hit at $5 million. Lucas Carlson's RFA, like Sherratt and Hogg probably aren't coming up, coming back. And then uh, Nola Chari, Mason Marchment need new contracts. Yeah. The nice, th- the only nice thing about Florida is that they have their big guy signed. Like 
They have Ekblad signed. They have Duclair signed. They have Barkov signed. It's not like those guys are going to leave, but it's everybody around them. Yeah. And you're like, well, we're going to need a new deal or we're gone. Pretty much, Ed, they have $4 million to do it. Yeah. Honestly, Florida is very much like the Calgary of the East. It's more of a, this was your time to prove it. And it's like, well, you have limited amount of dollars to do it now. Yeah. but we'll It's not as that. bad as Minnesota. No, it's not. And obviously we'll talk about Calgary situation when we get to that Edmonton Calgary series. But we should turn our attention to the other series of the Eastern Conference team. The number two seeded Carolina Hurricanes versus the number four seeded New York Rangers. This surprisingly, the very first time that these two teams have played each other. And it's amazing that I, I didn't really think about this. I was like, really? I would have thought the Rangers would have played the Hurricanes at some point. Because both were playoff teams at one time. And of course, you and I both had Carolina. You had them in six. I had them in five. And at the moment, Rangers in seven. Because we've got the Rangers up on Carolina 5-1. And frankly... This was a weird-ass series where Carolina continued that thing where they can't win on the road. They have not run a, a road game this playoffs, eh? Yeah. And, and sad, up, man. it was funny because it's like, as long as you win at home, you, do, you never have a problem with the playoffs, right? But uh, Carolina, they just couldn't, couldn't get it done on the road and uh, can't get it done in this game seven. Granted, they are missing, like, Seth Jarvis and uh, Antiranta both got hurt this game. That didn't help. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, the Rangers play against a starting goalie in the next round. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. But even for Carolina, I mean, the Hurricanes are still in a pretty decent spot. It's not like they're going to be really losing anybody next year. They're, the main core and everybody's still going to be coming back. It's just going to be a matter of, okay, who do they really need to add to get the team over the top? Because if they, they have a ton of salary cap space, so they can bring back Niederreiter if they want. They can bring back Tomi if they want. Uh, I don't think they bring back... I wonder if Derek Stepan even comes back. Vincent Trocek is going to get a raise, but they'll be able to afford him. Bear and D'Angelo are RFA. Their goalies are still both signed for 6.5 for Freddie Anderson and Antiranta. Yeah, so the Hurricanes are still in pretty good shape. Yeah, the Rangers, I've actually been pleasantly surprised by their playoff play compared to last round where they were getting dummied by Sidney Crosby. They've come out and they've looked very, very good. I got to say, Tim, this is probably the only series I have absolutely zero notes on because I didn't, I didn't watch any of the games. I didn't even condense watch them because I was so focused on the other series to be perfectly, to be honest with you. And I think coming into the second round, I knew this was going to be the series of that hockey fans are going to be a, eh, gives a shit. It's the that only, series. It's, it's that, that series, series that's forgotten. To be fair, Igor Shesterkin had a fantastic series. So, like, there were games where De Carolina definitely deserved to close it out. But he just, he stole two or three games. Uh, Mika Zabenejad had a series. And it makes that trade look worse every day. Yeah. So, uh, our Sens representatives are going to be, in the East, are going to be Nick Paul and Mika Zabenejad. How do you think in the West it's going to be where it's just Cody Cece? Honestly, I hope, I kind of hope the Kate, sorry, the Avalanche lose now because they don't have enough sends per 60. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I mean, there's just such a fucking wagon right now, man. It's not even. Yeah, fun. that's true. Yeah. 
sends per 60 should be an official metric for <laughs> playoff success. <laughs> it should maybe like sense charts or somebody should come up with something on that, but that's up to them though. Yeah. So let's turn our attention to the Western Conference. The number one seeded Colorado Avalanche versus the number four seeded St. Louis Blues. This is the second straight year that both teams will be playing each other. And you and I both had the Colorado Avalanche. You had them in five. And what do you know? I had them in six in the Avalanche. <laughs> one in six. Funny you know, story. Funny story. I'm not even going to let you take that one, given how fucking badly we did on the rest of this second round. Hear me out on this, okay? That sixth game. In fairness, before I go anything, Colorado should have won at five, just saying. Yep. But the sixth game, I'm at work. Chase, one of our young guys, he's like 16 or whatever, 16, 17 years old. And he's bug, he's busting my balls. He goes, hey, man, St. Louis is going to win in seven. I'm like, they're, Chase, there's no freaking way they're going to win in seven games. And I had this, I had the game on my phone, and it's over the speakers. And it, he and I were chatting in the hallway. Next thing you know, it, he and I went silent because we thought they scored. And they go, Darren Helm scores. Yeah. Woo. They won. <laughs> and it's Darren fucking Helm of all the people. The former too, Red right? Wing. Who would have knew, Tim? <laughs> was Helm even? I don't think Helm was around for the rivalry years, despite how ancient he is. I think he was on the, he was on the 08 team. That was yeah, the last time Colorado that, and Detroit played each other. But That's fair. But that is that really the rivalry years? No, that's really not. The rivalry years ended in 2002. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't think anyone is still around from Bill Zdeno Chara. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know if you got a chance to see this, Tim. There's actually a trailer for a new E60 documentary on the Red Wings Avalanche rivalry of the 90s. Oh, sick. I cannot wait. But I've been saying for years, that should be a 30 for 30 right there because it is so compelling. Because, you know, when you talk about rivalries of the 90s, I mean, you had the 49ers Cowboys. You had Michael Jordan versus the Pistons. You had big, big rivalries like that. Nothing compared to that. That was the rivalry of the 90s. Yeah, no kidding. Although Darren Helm is always one of those guys who I just think is older than he is. I don't know why I thought he was like 25 in like 08. Yeah, he's kind of like Dan Cleary. You tend to forget that he's just like, oh, he's what? Dan Cleary. He's not that. Wait, he's not as old as I think he is. Yeah, it is weird, man. It is weird. So let's talk about this series. And the one thing, the first thing I really want to mention here is that for the first two games, prior to his injury, Jordan Bennington looked fantastic for St. Louis. And I think it's a real shit. And you know what? I honestly think how different the series would have ended had Kadri not ran into him. That's true because, like, Vili Huso, to his credit, played some very good hockey after that. Yeah. I can't even blame him on that series. Like, he played very well, but it's just the avalanche was too much for him. Yeah. And St. Louis, to their credit, they actually managed to contain Colorado up until game, up until game six there. Like, it actually wasn't a bad game. Like, they managed to keep Colorado to the outside for the most part. And then all of a sudden, it's just like the avalanche came and just kept coming. Now, before we get into talk about Nazem Kadri, I want to talk about that fifth game because, you know, it's a shame that Colorado blew that 3-1 lead in the third period because one guy who was probably had the best game, I you could argue, of the playoffs he's had was Nathan McKinnon. I mean, that goal, that's got to be 
That's highlight reel two, material. One of two of the prettiest goals of this year. The other one being the McDavid's winner versus LA. Yeah, just the the absolute hands of that goal, eh? The fact he did that, and I don't think I've ever seen him skate that fast. Like Nathan McKinnon's fast, but when you watch him skate like that, and you're like, "Holy crap, dude!" Yeah. And man, Darcy Darcy Kemper just kind of lost the game there in the last ten minutes, eh? Yeah, but you know what though, Darcy Kemper in this in that series, and really throughout the playoffs, he really hasn't had to be like a Vasilevsky. He no. single handedly just. Just do your job and make safe. He's essentially, he's basically given the Craig Anderson role of just, just be solid in the net. Yeah, fair enough. Well, the other thing about it is just unlike Craig Anderson, who really didn't get that much run support, but also got very good defensive support yep. in the Guy Boucher system that first year. Darcy Kemper gets unreal run support here. Just Colorado basically scores at will. Yeah, and they prove that in that series. But so I let's talk about Nazem Kadri because you know what? This guy had a fantastic series. And you know what's funny? Colorado's the one who's laughing their way to the bank with this guy in, the, in that acquisition. Because teams were thinking, you're gonna regret this. He's got talent, but he tends to get suspended. And then that game, I think it was game three when he crashed into Bennington. Yeah. I'm gonna go right ahead and say it. That's not on Kadri. No, he the got pushed defenseman pushed him into him. Yeah, there was literally nothing for him to do. But you know what I'm really surprised? Jordan Bennington not getting fined for throwing the water ball at him. Yeah. To me, that's that's unsportsmanlike right there. If you do that in a post game, that's unsportsmanlike. I understand Jordan Bennington's a very hot-headed individual and he's a bit of a piss baby. Don't do shit like that in the post game. Blame the defenseman for pushing him into you. I understand. And then you got the people on Twitter who are sending threats to him and the Instagram. No, that's fucked. And for me, it's like, there's no place in that in sports. And then people are trying to call racism. And you know what? There's a lot of people who are trying to pull racism on him. How much of it is just, Kadri was just being a fucking idiot in those other series. He didn't need to run those guys like he did when he was with Toronto. I understand. And you know what? I think a lot of it is, race-based and you saw it with the dms but you know what that's not on him no and like that's the thing is like kadri has been like he's left the dirty shit behind this season yeah he's gonna get paid though holy shit and you know what kadri was a guy that i actually would have liked if he was a on the sense yeah yeah i always liked him in toronto i thought he was a good player bit of a shit disturber toronto is the one who's regretting that one now oh yeah if he had not been suspended, I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto kept, keeps him around. Well, it's like, it does. Yeah, like, I don't think, uh, I wonder if Kerfoot holds a candle here. Yeah, 100%. And, like, we were talking about uh, Florida and uh, Calgary, this being the do or die year. This is definitely, a, it's an interesting year for Colorado because they pretty much all of their like they've got their core signed down at least for another year. Yeah. Especially with Nathan McKinnon on that incredible value contract. Yeah. And as you know what, you look at some of those contracts and it's not overpayments. They're all pretty good deals. Yeah. And they're team friendly deals. Like 
Burakovsky, Cogliano, Helm, Kadri, Nikshushkin, and Nico Sturm are all UFA. It's going to be interesting, and I would love to see Colorado go to the finals and win it all. Oh, yeah. I understand the cents per 60 number is not high, or it's not existent on that team, but you know what? I'm cool with it. Well, I mean... Plus, they got great jerseys. Let's be They honest. do. Same with St. Louis, actually. I got to say, it's a shame that St. Louis won, because they their jerseys are off the charts as well. And their cents per 60 were... Actually, what is their cents per 60? I know they have Logan Brown. It's got a, their sense per 60 wasn't great either. Yeah. Still higher than Colorado though. Oh yeah. So let's turn our attention to the fourth and final series of the second round, Tim. And this is the one that everybody in Canada was waiting for. All the media was talking about it. All the pundits were talking about it. The number three seeded Calgary Flames versus the number five seeded Edmonton Oilers. This is the first Battle of Alberta since 1991. You and I, once again, you and I both had Calgary in seven games, and the Oilers shocked everybody with winning it in five games. Well, here's the thing about this series it was a lot closer on paper, except for one stat. Jacob Markstrom did not have a game above 0.85. You're not going to win a playoff series with goaltending like that, even if you're playing against Mike Smith. I have 10 words to sum up this series for both teams. What the fuck is defense? What the fuck is goaltending? Yeah, like when the best, the best playing defenseman in a series is Cody Cece. You got problems. 100%, man. Now, before we get into talking about any of the players or anything like that, we need to talk about one thing in particular, Tim. The one thing that caused quite a stir, and everybody's talking about it on social media, the real MVP of this series, Mr. Braden Chuck. because let me tell you, Tim, shows up in Calgary, games one and two. That game one, amazing. Oh, where he's Braden Chuck immediately signs... An endorsement with Budweiser. <laughs> that is fantastic. Way to go, Cap. That's some Cap shit right there. Cap shit right there. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring that shit back to Ottawa. Uh, when we're in the playoffs and uh, Calgary's not, it's Matthew's turn to get his Budweiser endorsement. Yeah. But it's like just watching him high fiving people. Do you think he gets a big rig deal? Oh, maybe. But Brady to Chuck, I mean, you got to realize that is like great marketing for the Senators right there. When the captain of the team is in the crowd, and you're right, he's high five everybody. He's putting kids on his shoulder when they win. I think that was game. Was it was game seven? Wasn't it against Dallas? I think so. Okay, Rock Series. Still to my point though, I think Brady to Chuck is really converting a lot of Calgary fans to have Ottawa as their girlfriend team. Yeah, yeah. In the because same like, way, Calgary is the girlfriend team to quite a few Senator fans I found out on Twitter. I mean, it's got the Brady boys. Yeah. No, it's it was just really fun to watch. I know. I do got to give him props for one move in particular. And it's a great a veteran move. And you could tell maybe he's learned this from his old man. And I don't know if you noticed this, Tim, but I think it was in game one. Brady to Chuck's walking back to his seat. Somebody snapped a photo of him. Now, in the photo, you see that Brady Chuck's holding the beer in his hand. Okay. Not bad. It's pretty good. Not bad. Good. 
He's got two other beers in both of his back pockets. Oh, he's got the pocket rockets. Let's go. And I'm just like, you know what? That is a better move, and I respect that. Oh, yeah. That, no, that's Kino. I know. But did you happen to see the tweet that I put out after game one where no. it was a picture of uh, Keith and his daughter, and then you have a picture of Brady going, woo! <laughs> and it was uh, when dads take their kids to games, expectations, reality. Pretty much. As for the actual series, Game one, Calgary just comes out and could have hung, hangs nine on Mike on Mike Smith and uh, Miko Kostin. The final score was six nine. Nice. The game game two, Calgary was winning for most of the game, and then Markstrom uh, just really lets it go in the the third period. Game three was another close one. Game four, Calgary just doesn't show up. Yeah. And, you know, this was really a series where Connor McDavid made a statement proving his dominance in the NHL. Because I don't think, you know, people talk about Kucherov from a few years ago where he had 30-something plus points. Connor McDavid hitting into the third round, I think he's at what? 24? Yeah. He's, like it's something gonna He's going to catch that in the third round. Yeah, because McDavid, I want to sit. let me just get the stats up here because like this is actually just stupid well while you do that i actually want to make a point here tim because 26 26 because i know that uh, daryl Sutter was asked after the series he says oh do you did you guys think you lost to a better team he says no we lost to the best player yeah because the only difference between calgary and edmonton in the series edmonton's big gun showed up Connor mcdavid showed up leon drysettle showed up if Vander fucking Kane shows up. To be fair, Calgary didn't, like, Calgary had the run support. It's just Jacob Markstrom didn't show up. Yeah, but it was like, did other than game one, did Matthew DeChuck really show in that series? Uh, he had, I think he had two goals after. I think he had a goal in game two and a goal in game five. Like, as Tyler Toffoli never really showed up. No, Goudreau was kind of... Goudreau was muted. Yep. Yeah, because game four, uh, Mangiapane, Backland, Goudreau had a, a game game five goal, Cal Yarncroc, and then uh, Blake Coleman got jobbed. Okay. Let's There's talk about, no other way to describe let's that. Let's talk about this in game five. Because I know you've always argued, you've mentioned this so many times in the past, if you can't prove a video review in 30 seconds, it should be a goal. Like you have no business calling anything back at that point. Absolutely fucking none. And you know what? And you and I are going to have two very different opinions on this because I went back and I watched that Blake goal, that the Blake Coleman late goal in game five being called back. And you know, it was an iffy call. 100% was an iffy call, but you know what? I argue I argue the ref made the right call. No, I know no you were shot. I just, I know you're going to disagree with me. To me, the real thing is that there's no, there's no way you go from your leg being bent to straightening up completely. Cody, Cody CC has his arm around Coleman's leg and then clinches. Cody CC straightens Coleman's leg. Cody CC clinched on him. He loses his leg by tripping on Mike Smith and then gets clinched by the defender. I didn't see that. All I saw was his yeah, leg. No, 
Cody Cece has his arm just under the knee. And then as Cody Cece's falling, he does the natural reaction and pulls his arm into himself to brace for the fall, which straightens Blake Coleman's knee. Again, I mean, it's one of those calls where... It's a stupid call. You know what I... For, you know Especially what I, because we're going to go back in history and we're going to we're gonna watch Jelena. calls that... Like, not just Marty Jelena. Like, even this season, there was a goal where... Uh, I want to say it was a uh, Lawson Krause just actually kicks a fucking puck into the net with no one around him gets called a good goal. There was a goal against Calgary. There was a goal against the Senators where I want to say it was Evander Kane kicks the puck and it gets called a good goal. Vaguely remember that. Like the fact of the matter is, is more egregious kicks got called good. So something that's so patently stupid getting called back is absolutely egregious and calgary fans have the right to be mad they got jobbed i get that but you know what at the end of the day the art the other side of an argument is you wouldn't be in this fucking situation if your team showed up if they would be in the situation if markstrom was a real goal if markstrom actually showed up and actually made saves if your team could actually score if your team actually played defense you should have beaten edmonton to be fair Here's Calgary's scoreline from each game. Six, three, one, three, four. That's sufficient run support to win games, except for game three. The problem was Markstrom. Like, that is it. Because otherwise, like uh, Calgary and Edmonton, in terms of fancy stats, played, played even. With Connor McDavid kicking and dragging the Edmonton Oilers. Like, that's it. The difference was Calgary's goaltending was the shits. Well, Mike Smith was good enough to get it done. Not great, good enough. Yeah. Mike Smith, who did not look good in that series, when you let out a goal from three quarters of the way down the other side of the ice, keep in mind, Jacob Marchand, you lost to that guy. Yeah. Because you didn't show up. Admittedly, Mike Smith had a very, very, very good game three. Actually, yeah, he did. I'll, I'll give him that. But you know what? Again, this is going to be one where, much like Florida, this was your all-in. This was your year to do it. Now what do you do? You have proven year after year you didn't get it done. The guys don't get it done. Calgary was not deep enough. I'm not even going to say Calgary wasn't deep enough. The problem was the goaltending didn't show up. Here's the thing. And Calgary. Who's going to be the casualties in this with Calgary? If I'm going to be honest with you. it's Probably Vladar. It's going to be Vladar. I see. Is it going to be Vladar leaving though? Is he a UFA? Uh, He has one more year than he's RFA. So it's like maybe he gets a bit more seasoning in the AHL if he's got a two. Because he's RFA. I don't know if he's got a two-way contract. Because like if Mark. Like, remember, Markstrom did end up playing 75 games. So it's like, it might just be overwork for Markstrom. Yeah. But you know what? I'm looking at Calgary's into next season because I think they've got, what, 7 million in cap space for next year. Okay. So here's some of the. No, they have 26 million. They have 26 26 million. Majiapani and Matthew Kachuk are RFA. Oh, okay. Uh, Carpenters. Oh, and Johnny Gaudreau is UFA. If I'm going to be honest. I think Goudreau's gone. I don't think he's going to stay in Calgary. I think he goes to the East. 
because you're going to be seeing Matthew Dechuk getting paid big. Unless a team is crazy enough to offer sheet him, which they're not going to happen. As much I don't as, know. The Florida Hurricanes exist. Yeah, and I would – no, I was going to say, I wish Ottawa would do it, but no. No, let's let's not tempt fate. We already tried that with Duchesne. But you look at some of the players. Like, you're going to have to re- re-sign Magic Pawnee. You're going to have to re-sign Dechuk. You're yep. going to have to sign all of these guys. How do you fit all of them? Who's going to end up leaving? I understand they're thinking of Lucic would be the easy one to trade. Who takes on Monaghan? You might just buy out Monaghan. But what's going to be his cap or his cap for a buyout, though? And can they buy it out? Because the hard, well, the hard thing with Lucic is he has a modified no trade. But otherwise, what's weird about Calgary is like they do have a lot of value contracts. So like Hannafin is still got two years at five million. Same with Rasmus Anderson. Chris, sorry, Rasmus Anderson, Chris Tanev come in at 4.4 and Yuso Valamaki at 1.5. You re-sign Shillington probably to six. And then you have a pretty good defense at 21, coming in only at $21 million. The rest is all forward money. The only problem is, is yeah, how do you get rid of uh, Sean Monaghan? Yeah, and that's going to be the big one right there. Unless... Sean Monaghan just hasn't played a lot of hockey. Maybe he just ends up on Robota Island. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, you know, they're not, like, they're not as in worse shape as Vegas is right now. As oh, Jesus of course. Christ. Like, here's the thing. Like, Milan Lucic and Sean Monaghan could just end up on Robota Island. And then that solves a lot of problems. Monaghan more likely how, than how Lucic. How many guys could they put on that on Robot Island, though, at one time? That's a fantastic question. I think it's a good question. I don't know how many, but Monaghan, depending on the injury, I don't know. Well, Monaghan, it's always been his groin. Yeah. And and that's an injury that you never fully really come back from. That's the only problem. Yeah. But yeah, like the interesting, like Matthew Kachuk's probably getting nine, $10 million. Let's be real. Nine to, I would say he gets 10 that's not unreasonable to see him get 10 mil. Magiapani, probably six. Yeah, so that's 16 right there. That's 16 right there. Uh, Shillington probably gets five. Yeah, so that's 21. That's 21, but that's your big guy signed, and that leaves $5 million to round out the rest. Yeah, so it's going to be Goudreau. Yeah. I hate to say it, it's going to be Goudreau. If it came down to Matthew or Goudreau, you go with Matthew because Matthew, I hate to say it because Goudreau was such a great player. I just feel Matthew brings more to the table and he's younger. Yeah. Although if you do get rid, somehow get rid of both Lucic and Monaghan's contracts, then yeah, you can bring back Goudreau pretty easy. Yeah. But that's the, that's the, that's the, if that's an, if that's like, if Ottawa went out and said, we signed Claude Giroux and then we land Dumba and Fiala. Although at the same time, it's, also with Ottawa, it's like, I guess with the Ottawa Senators, they don't have quite the cap anchors, although Matt Murray could easily become one. Yeah. Well, the worst of the Bobby Ryan buyout is gone. Nikita Zaitsev is the only real one. But also RFA City. Yeah, I know. And there hasn't been any word yet on Norris, so. No. Uh, we'll see what comes up. Uh 
but yeah, the big one's going to be, uh, well, I wonder if they just signed Stutzla mid season. That'd be nice. Yeah. So Tim, that wraps up our second round recap, which gonna be only one thing. It's time to move on and talk about our third round predictions. Now, before we do that, Tim, I think we should take a quick break and we will come back and we'll give our predictions for round three of the 2022 NHL playoffs. Sounds good. Hi, everyone. This is Ron Tugnut. You're listening to Third Line Plug, Sendcast. All right. We are back. So, Tim, the only thing I forgot to mention, I know I just mentioned this before we hit record about the Florida series. Panthers going to the strip club before game four. I don't know enough about strippers to say if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just funny. Yeah. I mean, given that I mentioned Brady Chuck being the highlight of that series, I'm surprised I didn't make any notes of that. But we're done talking about the second round. Let's talk about our third round predictions. Let's start off with the series of the third round, the most compelling series, a series that I'm not going to lie. We didn't know that we truly wanted, Tim. The number one seeded Colorado Avalanche versus the number five seeded Edmonton Oilers. This is the first playoff series between the two teams since 1998. And Colorado returns to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in exactly 20 years, 2002 with the loss to the Detroit Red Wings. And the Edmonton Oilers returning to the Western Conference Finals for the first time since 2006, where they defeated the Mighty Ducks, then Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, now Anaheim Ducks. Three words. McKinnon versus McDavid. Oh, this is going to be fucking great. The conference finals we didn't need, the one we deserved. I'm going to say Colorado and seven because I want to see seven games. of. Uh, this, is, this isn't a real prediction. This is me being greedy. I want to see seven games of McDavid versus McKinnon. I really hope that we're not jinxing Colorado. Colorado and six on my end. I just want to see seven good hockey games. I know. And you know what? I always find this, Tim, is that, you know, with all of these series, it seems like Edmonton just kind of wills their way to win. Now you've got the ultimate test. Yeah. How do you defeat Colorado? Well, I mean, who knows if uh, Tampa, if Tampa Bay wins in the East and uh, Edmonton beats Colorado. The Tampa Bay Lightning with playoff Vasilevsky, that is a test. It really is. It really is. And you know what, though? I know Edmonton fans are not going to want to hear this. Colorado, man, they are just the better team. The goaltending is actually there. The defense is top-notch. And that top line. But here's the thing. If McDavid continues to be playing at an absolutely ridiculous unreal level and torches McKinnon that might not matter because Darcy Kemper isn't that great yeah and I have that in my notes too it says don't count out McDavid continuing his reign of destruction and like I said in the second round when we're talking about that Calgary series pieces around them are clicking and they're scoring yeah like if Dreisaitl and McDavid continue because like I'm going to go and say, like, I, I think Dreisaitl and McDavid are better than McKinnon and Rantanen. They're much more explosive. I would 100% agree with you on that. And I think what this series really falls on is, can Colorado bring McDavid back to human levels? And which goaltender falters first, Mike Smith or Darcy Kemper? 100%. Like, and honestly, this is going to be the series 
of all of them that I'm like, you know what? This is the one of the series I'm going to follow right to the end because it's going to be good. This is going to be amazing. I mean, after that kind of a meth second round, this conference finals that we deserved him. Hey, at least the battle of Alberta games are good. That's true. That is true. But yeah, we get two of the top three best players in the game right now. Going yeah. ahead, Tim, and it's going to be amazing. Now on the Eastern conference side, Tim, and the game finally wrapped up. The number four seeded New York Rangers. This is the number five seeded Tampa Bay Lightning. This is the first playoff series between the two teams since 2015 for the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is their back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals appearance, while the New York Rangers are making the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since, I believe, in 2015? Yep. Okay, so I was right on that, 2015. 2016. Who lost to Pittsburgh? Who lost to Pittsburgh in seven? Uh... It was Tampa. Yeah. Right. I think so. But I yeah, this this is a what? goalie duel. Two words, goalie duel. Call me crazy, Tim. Tampa in seven. You know what? I think it's it's going to. You know, we're gonna say say this and. One week later, someone swept and every game was a blowout. Or it's going to be a seven-game series that every game is a blowout because this looks like it's setting up to be a low-scoring affair. Mm-hmm. I lo- Tampa and seven sounds good. But at the same time, and this is tough because the Sens per 60 in this series is impeccable with Nick Paul versus <laughs> Mika Zibanejad. Yeah, and we can't forget that Nick Paul, the Leaf Slayer. The Leaf Slayer. Like, I think I have to go. I think Nick Paul has a higher sense per 60 than Mika Zibanejad. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's Tampa and seven. But it's, this is going to be a slog. Yeah, it's going to be a slog of a series. But you know what, though? The Rangers, it's going to be one of those series where it's can the offense beat Vasilevsky? Because, like, when they're on, Panarin and Zibanejad have been fantastic. Yeah. And if they can beat Vasilevsky, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, and I think I'm going to give Rangers a bit of credit here because they are a better team than I think maybe we give them credit for at times. Because, like, you still have some of the guys from that 14 Stanley Cup run. You've got the new blood coming in who's meshing very well. So it's not out of the realm of insanity to see the Rangers winning this series. No. And that's that's why we've got it at seven games, right? Yeah. But it's like uh it's this is an interesting setup. But Tampa Bay is also they got the rest after the sweep. And uh as a former Galaxy Brain coach once said, rest is a weapon. Yeah. Especially at this time of year. Well, at least they're not going 11-7. Yeah. Hey, Tampa did that in the first round and beat the Leafs doing that. Yeah. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on these playoff series. You maybe want to have another close for another episode. Yeah, sounds good. Oh, well, guys, the- actually, one thing. What? We got three out of four upsets this round. Yeah. What the fuck? I don't know. Let chaos reign, I guess. 
100%, man. 100%. It's the only thing we can do. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. You can find our links to iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M91 Honey Badger. I'm at Great White Gipster, GR8, WYTE Gipster. If you want to choose an email to talk about any of the games in the second round, or you want to give your predictions on the third round of the 2022 NHL playoffs, choose an email. Plus, at gmail.com. Until next time, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go, Sands, guys. Woo!